When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And it's a big swing, and it's back, 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 and one more Thunderdome, and it is gone. That's right, the final Thunderdome Raw of what I think we can hopefully just declare is the end of the pandemic era, at least on the very, very backside of it, as this Monday Night Raw wraps it up before SmackDown returns in front of fans Friday, Money in the Bank in front of fans Sunday, and Raw back in front of fans next Monday. Of course, this Raw going up live against the Home Run Derby, a very exciting one. So some competition still for Raw coming off its worst viewership ever. So a lot to unpack. I am Justin Labar alongside my partner in crime, Alfred Kunawa, here on the Wrestling Inc. Monday Night Podcast. Yes, that's right. It's not Wednesday. It's Monday. Alfred and I doing it because Raj is too busy off gallivanting on the beaches of Hawaii. Aloha. I mean, but did you see this? Everybody's still on Twitter engaging oh, yeah. with everybody. Like, like if you're going to do that, you might as well just come on the damn podcast. Raj is just stunning on everybody on Twitter. I, I love it. He's just out there. I have it on good authority that he is at a private karaoke bar. Singing on loop, I get money by 50 Cent, just over and over and over. He knows every lyric to that song, so good for Raj. Yeah, uh, karaoke is big uh, there. I, I, my, my wife and I have experienced that, so I'm sure Raj is is, is, uh, is neck deep in the uh, Mai Tais and karaoke by now. Uh, it's going to be a fun show here on Monday night. As we said, this is the last Raw in the Thunderdome, so I mean, really a, a lot to unpack here as they go, as the go home to Money in the Bank. Uh, of course, going back to fans, you know, and really, Alfred, this this raw tonight, and um, we'll go to some news, and we'll then we'll need we'll get knee deep in raw. This raw, really, I had the fear, and it and it partially did this. I felt it was like, man, this is going to be the ultimate placeholder of this needs to stay in place until next week, or this needs to move drastically this way for the story, so we can get where we want to be in front of fans. So I felt like this was going to be uh, one extreme or the other tonight, and I think we kind of got that. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And it, you know, parts of this raw actually did kind of remind me of a raw from three weeks ago where there were all those upsets on uh, throughout the show uh, to kind of make it a little more exciting. But yeah, you're right. We did get kind of a little of both there. Uh, not too much in terms of storyline progression where it went in a certain direction, but they did build up a lot of these feuds. Um, unfortunately, with a couple of champions losing, but uh, I, I really did. Uh, it was, a, it was an okay show. I thought it was a good send off for the Thunderdome. For the final Thunderdome show, uh, it could have been a lot worse. Let's just put it that way. Well, and kind of a missed opportunity there at the end for the final Thunderdome show, which which we'll get to. Uh, our first super chat rolling in quick here. Brett Murphy, two dollars. He's alive. La Barbarian's alive. Brett, where you been? I'm here almost every Monday. I'm here almost every Wednesday with Alfred. I'm going to be here Sunday night for Money in the Bank because Raj's still going to be uh, 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 at a luau or whatever the hell he's going to be doing. Yeah. I mean, so I'm always here. But Brett, thank you for throwing two bucks to Raj's calls. I'm sure he's tipping the bartender right now. Uh, appreciate the Barbarian love as always. All right, uh, Alfred, what do you say? Let's go into some news headlines because we got that before we jump into Raw. Uh, we'll start on. Um, you know, we start with the somber note. Uh, you know, it was definitely one of the top headlines of the day. Uh, wrestling legend Paul Orndorff passes away at age seventy-one. Mister Wonderful. Uh, it had been uh, in the news here recently that he had been dealing with health issues. I believe even uh, his, I believe it was uh, his son had even posted a video uh, last week or not too long ago that kind of just really showed Mister Wonderful not uh, not in the best of shape and uh, he's dealing with cancer and dementia. And, uh, you know, he has, in fact, uh, passed away and, and, and obviously thoughts and prayers uh, with Paul Orndorff's family. And Alfred, I saw a pretty crazy stat earlier this evening. This is not to not to make this about somebody else other than Paul Orndorff, but, you know, just somebody else gone. Uh, every opponent, every WrestleMania opponent opponent for Hulk Hogan from WrestleMania one through six is now deceased. Wow, that that is a crazy stat, and it's a very sad stat. Um, you know, wrestler deaths. Once upon a time, they were just too many uh, that were happening, and thankfully they've kind of decreased now to where the, the wrestling deaths. Um, unfortunately, when they do happen, there's uh, when a wrestler gets advanced in age. But uh, that is a crazy stat. I did not know that, uh, and there are a lot of really weird stats like that that are very depressing in terms of like I remember their stat about WrestleMania seven, like like twenty five percent of the wrestlers who are on that card are dead, and I think or, that number's gone up now. Or uh, you know, one of the greatest. Royal Rumbles 92, the amount of Hall of Famers that are in there, but also the amount of deceased that are in that 92 Rumble, yes. uh, just by the, how the odds shook out. 
Yeah, it's wild. Uh, Mr. Wonderful, of course, again, you know, passed away age 71. I got a bit. I mean, obviously, I've seen WrestleMania 1, and I've seen the heel turn on Hogan. I mean, I've seen all the stuff in the 80s. Uh, I mean, I was born in the 80s like you were offered. I mean, so I, I, I know him, but a lot of it for me was going back and watching it over time. I don't have as much appreciation, unfortunately, but I think it's definitely one of these things. He's one of those ones where, you know, God bless the WWE Network and the archives that I I do find myself going back and trying to get the context. Of like, wow, that's a big deal when he turned on Hogan there uh, and try to equate it to what I saw live in my lifetime. Uh, I, and I do remember some, some I guess, later in his stages of career, I do remember seeing him on like WCW Saturday night a little bit sure. on TBS some. So, uh, but Mr. Wonderful passed away at age 71. Yeah, and he, I mean, he's like the kind of precursor to a Brian Cage type in that he was just this muscle-bound guy who was a great athlete, who could do a lot in the ring, and one of Hulk Hogan's greatest rivals in terms of a guy who was big, who can move, who could do everything Hulk Hogan needed to have a good Hulk Hogan match, but also had the size to be convincing. So uh, that storyline with Hulk Hogan, where Hulk Hogan wouldn't answer his phone call, was always referenced by, you know, wrestling fans, and I always used to hear that reference, but like you said, like you, I, I wasn't really old enough to remember it, so that is something that I did revisit in terms of, well, let's see what they're talking about. And that it was a very good storyline. That's something that they actually kind of mimicked between Drew McIntyre and Jinder Mahal. And uh, last week, where Jinder Mahal saying, oh, well, he's not answering my text messages. So it's something that, that kind of still holds up now. And it really was a well-done storyline between Hogan and Orndorff. Absolutely. And you can uh, read more about uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff on WrestlingInc.com. Has a little bio as well, beginning his career back in 1976 and all the different territories and promotions he was with. Also on that same story, there is a link to a GoFundMe campaign launched a few days ago uh, that was launched a few days ago in preparation for, uh, unfortunately, Mr. Wonderful's uh, inevitable uh, farewell. Uh, I believe his son Travis is is on social media and the one that is kind of behind all that. So, all the details can be found on Wrestling if you want to get involved <clears throat> with that. Uh, a little bit, uh, obviously, you know, transitioning to some happier news of, of what's going on currently in pro wrestling. Uh, Chelsea Green, uh, former NXT star. Chelsea Green, uh, of course, she was unfortunately released as part of the different uh, cuts that they had uh, in these last few months. And she made a surprise appearance uh, last night at Ring of Honor's Best in the World. Uh, it looks like, Alfred, she's with Ring of Honor isn't yet cleared to medically compete because he's uh, still healing from that broken arm. But uh, Ring of Honor, who's been making a push to, um, you know, upgrade and increase their women's uh, division and their and their quality, looks like they've added Chelsea Green, which I think that's a great get. This is a great get, and she came off as a big star. I, I did see that uh, clip. Uh, I still have yet to see the whole Best in the World or the whole RHA pay-per-view, and I'm going to watch it, but I did see that clip, and I, I thought she came off like a huge star between the way the fans received her, the promo she cut, I thought was really good. She did show up with that cast, uh, but I'm just hoping that now she kind of gets ahead of steam. It seems like on a big stage she's been snake-bitten where – she hasn't gotten enough time to show what she can do, whether she gets called up early from NXT, whether she gets hurt, uh, whether she gets released. She's just been very snake bitten in her main roster career. And I think what really kind of put her on the map was that Laurel Van Ness character. So you saw how talented of a performer she was, but I really want people to see how talented of a wrestler she, she is. And um, she needs that long-term stint with some promotion. And I think this could be it with ROH once she heals up. I agree. If this is that stint, uh, for everything you said, to show off the full package of what she can deliver, I have no doubt that if that could happen, that she could find herself back in WWE and hopefully again uh, gets past the, the the bad timing of injuries and, and snake bitten, as you probably accurately put it. Uh, Brett Murphy, oh, I'm sorry, Brett, I didn't pick up on this. <laughs> so he's throwing another five dollars in there. Thank you, Brett. Uh, he's saying Labarbane alive. He's talking about me getting choke slammed this past uh, Friday. That's why I said that. Also, uh, rest in peace, Mr. Wonderful. Yes, this past Friday was the return of the ring, Alfred. Of myself leading the All-American Spencer Slade against Big Cass. And uh, Spencer took him the distance. Uh, I, I mean, I, I have some difference, differing of opinions from Cass of what I was or was not trying to do in my duties. But it did end with me being chokeslammed. Uh, I guess if you have an opportunity to ever get chokeslammed by somebody who is seven foot tall, I would avoid it. Uh, you can see you can see full photos of that on my Instagram, uh, Justin Labar. You can go to, at Twitter to go to Twitter at Justin Labar. There's full photos and video of uh, the night that was for me last Friday. I mean, and 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 two dollars is the least he could have done. The fact that not only are you alive, but you're working after getting choke slammed from that tower. I mean, Justin Labar, you you are a monster, my guy. I should be in Hawaii resting up right now. <laughs> Absolutely, I should be in Hawaii. All right, and finally, uh, maybe the most controversial of the news. Uh, headlines that we will grapple with uh, before we get into Raw tonight. The ongoing 
soap opera saga situation with Jimmy Uso. Of course, if you have been in Hawaii and cut off from the world, let's, let us catch you up. Jimmy Uso last week, sadly making headlines once again and uh, being uh, pulled over and arrested for a DUI in Florida. Uh, this has been a repeat um, issue and headline for Jimmy Uso. He did get released the next morning on, on, on bond. And, uh, you know, we kind of waited to see what's going to happen. Is WWE going to discipline him? WWE has not made any public comment. Jimmy Uso was front and center on last Friday's SmackDown with his brother and with his cousin, Roman Reigns, kind of progressing their storyline, Alfred. And uh, now the latest, um, you know, the latest story that we have on Wrestling Inc. uh, being attributed to the Wrestling Observer Radio is that there doesn't seem to be any fallout happening. Nothing's happened at the moment. No talks of fines or suspensions. And that maybe, Alfred, maybe we won't see anything, at least nothing that's going to be seen publicly maybe i you know i don't maybe something gets handled behind closed doors but at least nothing publicly that would potentially take him out of the storylines or, or derail much because and this is speculation from dave Meltzer, but the speculation is perhaps if the seeds are being planted for a major angle between roman reigns and the rock you'd think that could only result as a wrestlemania quality match but if something is being planted for that the usos would be involved in that as they are right now with Roman Reigns storyline so perhaps not to derail that big box office match or attraction or or speculation to piss anybody off within the family maybe nothing is going to be done again that is all speculation but that is the latest reported speculation from Dave Meltzer on the Wrestling Observer Radio that Wrestling Inc. has more details up but that is a heavy heavy speculation yeah. if that is the if that in fact is how this shakes out it's also very unfortunate, just the, the very idea that the storyline is taking precedent over a man's life who, you know, I'm honestly deeply concerned for, for Jimmy Uso, just on the surface level, just as an outsider looking in, you know, I'm not saying what I know or anything like that. Just, you know, I think anybody who has been following these uh, terrible stories in terms of the DUI history of the Usos uh, would be concerned at this level. And it's just, it's textbook WWE defiance to me is not only was he on the show, he was the first thing you saw on the show and he was all over that show like no 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 he is gonna be here and it's it, just a weird story yeah i did uh, see that story in terms of uh, the plan is long-term storytelling we don't want to derail the storyline but i mean the rock's not coming back anytime soon and this is something that hopefully could be handled with 30 to 60 days or however you need to take it we've got a long time to wrestlemania so i just don't understand how they put that two and two together and that they think that the storyline would be derailed by taking jimmy off tv they just had jay off tv for what three weeks uh, and kind of had Jimmy in that role as the enforcer. And so, I mean, I don't uh, understand this at all. I just hope Jimmy is able to get healthy. That's all. You know, I hope that he's able to uh, overcome this. And I really do hope that he personally is able to prioritize his health and his life. And if he feels like um, he's able to go and compete and be on TV without um, having to deal with any of this, then more power to him. But, I mean, he hasn't proven that he can't. Yeah, I agree. Obviously, his health is A, number one. And I, I also, I had the same first interpretation, which is like, well, Right. I mean, if you're going to have Rock and Roman, that's not going to be, we don't think, at least until Mania, which is a long way away. So, uh, I mean, unless they're going to surprise us and that's happening for SummerSlam, I mean, you know, which I guess at this point, nothing is off the table with all we know that they're trying to invest in SummerSlam and this return to the road. But um, but even still, then it's like, OK, well, yeah, right. Even even if you want to spend them for a couple of weeks or find them, uh, that doesn't take Roman versus Rock off off the table. So then it becomes like the next level of speculation is uh in, you know nepotism of of well we don't want to we don't want to piss very important people off but i mean are you pissing people off in the family if you say look we're just trying to help the guy we're trying to when we're trying we're also trying to give him some discipline and get him to to not have this issue i mean i, I don't know this, this is a, a loaded story it's a controversial story i don't again it's all again this is all speculation on this latest report is speculation from dave Meltzer. i mean dave's obviously got his credibility so it's worth acknowledging the speculation but it is speculation so uh, we'll wait and see how that comes out. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens this Friday on SmackDown, uh, well, what they do. Of course, the final Friday SmackDown just before Money in the Bank where uh, Roman Reigns, Edge, all all, uh, all worthwhile to uh, talk about and make predictions for. Let's hit some Super Chats before we get into Raw tonight. Uh, we got Wrestling Enthusiast $1.99. You all think Thunderdome is on standby just in case. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, the actual physical building they're in right now, the uh, Yingling Center, I mean, Again, they always have to keep in mind when these buildings go back to hosting their actual, uh, you know, sport, you know, you know, team. So, 
I mean, it's not like they can just pop the Thunderdome back up at any time. You know, they have to find a building that's not being used. But I'm sure the concept of the virtual screens and that is always going to be there now as a plan B, C, or D. Uh, then, you know, hopefully we don't get back to that. But yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure the concept's always there in the back pocket for uh, forever on. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that they even maybe have. Uh, I think it'd be a good idea to have a version of that in the PC because the PC is always going to be their kind of backup plan as it was early in the pandemic. But those pandemic shows with the performance center were, I mean, god awful in terms of just this desolate building with zero noise or whatnot. So maybe hopefully they were able to spruce parts of the PC to do that. But I really don't think they would have the Thunderdome just in case because that would be a cost that WWE, I don't think, would be interested in incurring with them getting ready to go back on the road. I think we all know how serious WWE is about cost cutting at this point. And um, I just don't see them taking on something like that. But yeah, it would be a good idea to have some type of contingency plan in case that like Delta variant comes around or, or God forbid we go back in our homes. Well, I keep thinking they own the PC, of course, but you know, I would. I, I keep waiting to see when is Vince going to buy another venue, something bigger than the PC, another venue, kind of comparable to what AEW, quite frankly, had with Daily's Place, another venue that he has ownership of. He can rent it out to concerts and other things when not using it, but a venue that he has and put it in either New York, somewhere in Florida, or in Vegas, and have a residency, just like you have shows that have residency, just like you know, acts take up residency at MSG, acts take up residency. Like, I wouldn't be like, why would you not? I mean, you've already, right. we already saw pre pandemic them traveling doing non TV house shows. They weren't, they're, you know, they, those aren't big money makers anymore. If anything, they have to just make, they just have to break even essentially. And obviously, it can hurt the talent and morale, all the travel and such. So, I mean, at what point, you're never going to have an off season with WWE, but, but at what point does Vince just not buy a suitable venue to where they could hold up residency, have fresh crowds in there? every so many nights but again you have control of it you get your talent off the road they can stay put for a few weeks and again especially if you put them in a place like florida where they're all living and you have if you ever have a physical hall of fame there you can built in a lot of other attractions i just think that's got to be inevitable that they would want to do that and this this right. is screen next i think back to this early pc shows remember the very first raw on the pc when this all started and we all didn't know how long it's going to last and they set up the hard camera and they put just because they didn't know any better they put like three rows of empty chairs just to, just to symbolize well, this is where fans would be. And it was like, oh, my God. And the best part about it was because they were all scrambling and people weren't where they needed to be because borders were shutting down, was Triple H did commentary with Michael Cole. And it was just the greatest live commentary because all they could do is just joke around because they had nothing else to go go for. And I think, wow, we have come from that and we have it's a year and a half later and we are finally just about out of this. It's amazing. Yeah, I think when we see that show on the 16th, it's going to be like night and day in terms of this Friday on SmackDown, just how far they've come. Because you're right, not only was he on commentary, he was working the camera at points, and mm -hmm. it really did take on that feel like, oh, my God, like this is – we really are just kind of improvising from here on out. And uh, Kronishaw, $2, what do you guys think of Lesnar's new look? Yeah, once again, you can check this out on WrestlingInc.com. Brock Lesnar being pictured in a, some kind of a public appearance at a, at a butcher shop. <laughs> and uh, he's got a nice beard going, which which was in theme with the uh, the theme of the butcher shop. Uh, but he had a little little man bun ponytail going on there. Uh, it, Brock, first off, it looked, it looked looked fine to me. But, I mean, the ponytail, Alfred, and then he's got just a slab of meat. He's got a butcher's yeah. knife. He's carving this meat. Is this not the scariest man on earth or what? It was, especially raw meat. Like, it's, it, you just, it looks like he just killed the animal. Like, he's ripped it to shreds. I, I love that Brock, he's very selective with when he posts stuff or when you see pictures of him. But every time you do, it's always very unique. He's a very eclectic man. And uh, I don't know if I'm a fan of bearded Brock as much as the other Brock because I just associate that with the Brock that was just getting beaten UFC toward the end. Uh, but I do – this new look is just – it's Brock. Brock pulls off a lot of different things because he's such an impressive-looking man. And if he comes back, I, I would like a different look, and this would be fine. I don't think he's really – has he ever wrestled in WWE with a beard? I don't think he has. I can't recall. Yeah, I can't think of it either. Uh, that would be some good vignettes, right? Brock's coming back, and he's just carving. He's in a butcher shop. Just, I mean, you know, because he is. He's Because you know he's a farm boy with his bare hands. He's going to – he'll kill the animal. That'd be great. Uh, and uh, kind of going back to what we were talking about, uh, Haha Geo 399 is Jimmy Uso really being saved because of the Rock? Well, again, a lot of speculation of why, but it is all we can note is that it's been just about a week now since the the DUI happened and, and became public. And you know, there again, nothing public has been said by WWE, and we have seen no, you know, he's still on TV. So all we can do is speculate. Again, they might have some punishment or something going on behind the scenes that hasn't made public yet that's that's possible but 
Um, Here's a quick question. How do you think he's going to be received this Friday? There's going to be a live crowd. That DUI thing is still fresh on everybody's mind. Do you think there's going to be chance? Do you think there's going to be heckling about that? That's a great question. I, I You know what? I would think uh, – I'm going to say no because maybe in a different situation – if they were in the grind and they were going to a New York or Chicago where fans are, are very, um, you know, very independent, so to speak. But I think, I think the fans are just going to be so focused on just being happy to be back. I, I don't think that we're going to, I don't think we're going to see a lot of crowds taking hostage on right. these shows. We're going to be in a bit of a honeymoon period right now uh, of, of, you know, some things that might've otherwise rated a six out of 10. We might give a seven or seven and a half or even eight, just because it's going to feel refreshing to be in front of a crowd and hear a crowd's reaction to something. Uh, so no, I, I don't foresee that to happen, especially you know with Jimmy Uso, who's a fan favorite overall. Uh, and uh, Christian James Calderon, two dollars. Do you think that Becky Lynch returns this Sunday? Uh, Alfred, I mean, she's got to be in the list of been reserving her until crowds, right? Yeah, I do think she does. If it wasn't for the Bailey injury, I would, if Bailey was healthy, I'd say no. But I think that might be one of those kind of knee jerk things where it's like, well. You know, we got to give these fans a big show and this, that, and the other. And I think whatever they may have had planned for Bailey, maybe they just decided, let's just get Becky back in there. Um, I, I do expect her. I half expect her to be back this uh, Sunday at Money in the Bank. All right. And uh, Brandon Hall coming in with $10 here saying, I know it's just speculation right now. However, it is not a good look because if this was anyone else, they would have been suspended or possibly worse by now. Well, for sure. Yeah, Brandon, I can't really argue with that. That's, you know, you, we, yeah, we've, see, we've, seen, we've seen others uh, dismissed for less. Yeah. So, um, again, obviously, let's not lose sight. The, the number one is you just hope the guy's okay. All right. Uh, great super chats. Keep them coming as we get going. But let's jump in to Monday Night Raw tonight. All three hours of it, Alfred. But let's, uh, let's, let's make it concise, make it worthwhile here. Uh, we kick it off with uh, Xavier Woods up against Bobby Lashley here. And uh, Bobby's pretty dominant in his performance. But Xavier Woods, after being speared, looks like he's just uh, left for dead. He ends up rolling up Bobby in a small package against the one, two, three victory. So Bobby Lashley, your champion, six days before defending it against Kofi at Money in the Bank, just got pinned clean. Are you okay with this? I was not at the time, and I actually was pretty furious. I hated this in terms of when I saw I, I don't think I've gone from liking something to hating something so quickly because toward that end of that match where Bobby is just dominating Xavier Woods, I'm just thinking this is exactly what this needs to be. You know, you build up your big monster, and Kofi's been a great babyface in terms of a challenger. So here we go. Let's solidify it. Wait, what the hell? Bobby lost? What? And so I, I did not like that he lost, but I loved where they went with it. And I particularly liked, and this is something that I think – uh, WWE doesn't do enough in that when he lost, they made a big deal of it. They didn't just say, oh, no, he lost. Let's go to the back. They had him soak off. They were talking about how shocking it was. It became the story of the show that he was so mad that he lost. So if that is going to be the story and you're going to treat it with that type of importance, no, I don't have that much of a problem with it, especially where it went. I do have a problem with it, but I don't. I have a less of a problem with it based on where it went. They made up with it three hours later, is what yes. you're saying. Yeah, yes. I, I tend to agree, but I'm I'm going to even reserve my verdict until after Sunday, because uh, yeah, same with you. I wasn't a fan of of uh, you know the champion being pinned, and they do that all too often. The champion getting pinned in non-title situations, um, I, but but yeah, what happens later, which we'll get to, the way they end of the show, I felt a little bit better about it. But I still need to see Money in the Bank. I still need to see him versus Kofi and what happens. Uh, you know, not, not that I'm wishing for a squash on Kofi, but I need to see. I am what? Well, you know, I don't know. Well, I need to see what gear Bobby Lashley delivers on. Does he f- completely kick MVP to the curb? Is Bobby Lashley being set up to 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 be ready for a Brock Lesnar? I mean, I, I need to see what this results in because I I still don't know if this if if you know Bobby Lashley is a guy who I did not think was going to make it through Mania's champion. I thought for sure this one off of Mania back with fans. Certainly, it's going back to Drew. They're gonna give. A, they're gonna do a redo for for what Drew missed out on a year prior, and that didn't happen. And I think that definitely. I think the audibles definitely called because we're like, hey, we got something here. Bobby Lashley, we finally have found his lane, and he is pun intended dominated. Uh, so the fact that he gets all the way now to July, and now we start, again we're having him getting pinned in small packets. I don't know. I want to see what happens here. I, this this needs to be worthwhile, and I'm fully okay with him dropping the title at SummerSlam if it is to a Brock or if it is to somebody in sub-magnitude of a match, but it needs to be the right magnitude. And, I, and so I'm weary about how this is being done here, and, and this opening was certainly started. My, my cringe meter started quickly going yes. up. Jody Shauna Jenkins, 5 Canadian. Oh, wow, Lash, Lashley versus New Day. Haven't seen that. How is it possible to ruin Lashley? Also, please, please tell me that Bray will return. Yeah, I mean, Bray Wyatt, Daniel Bryan, 
Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, all names that we do or don't know for sure are associated with WWE still in some capacity that as far as we know are healthy, but we're just waiting to see what is left, you know, what's lined up for them. So, yeah, I mean, add that to the to the thrill of, of add that to the list, uh, Joni Shana Jenkins, for the thrill of watching here in these upcoming shows as they return to the fans of who's coming back when. So we'll wait and see. Bray kind of uh, left us hanging. The last time we saw him, he said, like, I'll be back soon. And it's been like six months since then. Maybe not six months, but it's been forever. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that's the story of the career, right? All right, so we get Eva Marie and Dewdrop. Uh, they're in Alexis Playground. By the way, Dewdrop officially, Piper's officially changed her Twitter over to Dewdrop. WWE is her handle. Uh, her name is Double D. Playing there. Uh, so she's, she's, she's leaning into the Dewdrop. So Eva Marie and Dewdrop are at Alexis Playground. And Alexa loves Dewdrop's name. She's saying Dewdrop's name over and over. Eva's getting impatient. Uh, Alexa refers to Eva as a surprise bonus which really offends Eva because she doesn't even know why she's here in this uh, dingy, uh, grubby little playground, and they all walk off. So uh, Alexa and Eva Marie, just Eva, Eva, not a, Eva's not jiving with the uh, the Alexa playground. Surprise, surprise, there. I, I I hate this. Look, I've been patient, Alfred, with the magic and and the and the, but I don't like people named Eva Marie and, and Dewdrop. Been able to wander onto this playground, and they've done it with Shayna and I. I don't like these are supposed to be mystical, magical places. You're not supposed to be able to just punch it on yeah. your ways and show up to the playground. Right, right. It's just down there on Third Street uh, as no. a playground. But yeah, no, I, I completely agree in terms of, and this just kind of came off as a square peg in a round hole. Just seeing these individuals together, much like. It did with Shayna Baszler, who's just a shooter, but you would think that now that they're with actual characters who are wrestling characters, that maybe that'd be a little different, but I didn't feel that way. I just, I didn't feel like, I don't feel like this Alexa Bliss character drives with anybody based on just how she's presented. And, and it's just very confusing as to the fact that she's presented as kind of a baby face. If you listen to the crowd reactions, they pipe in there. People are supposed to be cheering for her and she just does not give off that vibe. So this character, I think, is a complete mess. Well, that's what the sound guy knows. He pipes in cheers. Let's see what. Let's see how the actual fans react. Let's see if they yeah. react to that. I mean, that that's going to be, you know, a real tell here. Um, starting starting next week. Uh, Tim Mickles, four ninety nine. I know I'm early, but I can't believe Lashley kicked out Honey Dips from VIP Lounge. Shake my head. I was very sad to see them go too. <laughs> uh, yeah, we will get to our main event segment. Main event segment. That we have there. Uh, and I believe we got one more super chat. Here we go. We got Mike, $2. Alfred, <laughs> our guy Lashley is a freaking beast. He is. And we will like Justin said, we'll get into it later. I, I did like how the show ended, but we'll get to that. I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I didn't realize this Lashley ending was grabbing so many people, but I guess it is. All right. Uh, this is going to be my uh, hill to die on here in a second, which uh, this is unbelievable. So we get Veer and Shanky, and they're out there with Jinder Mahal to the ring. They got the sword. The sword was cut up in pieces. Here comes Drew McIntyre backstage. No, that that sword's a replica, but he shows the real sword, and then he shows Jinder's real bike. He proceeds to rip the tailpipe off and smash the bike and throw the seat and all kinds of shenanigans. Just rips this up. I want to do this in pieces. First off, Alfred, uh, your reaction to this whole segment between drew and gender who of course have great history but we're just focusing on bikes and swords your reaction to this i, I like that they're at least trying to tell this story what i couldn't stand about this is the doek machina of nope it's fake ah, i got you like where's the heat now in that you took the sword that is the beginning of the story and then yeah maybe you tell the story of drew trying to get his sword back but it makes gender look like a complete goof like I, now i'm not really interested in seeing drew get any type of revenge and I, you, this is where you could see this going as soon as gender rode in on his bike that not only does drew get to destroy the bike but he has his real sword so this feud to me is over i mean what else is there to do there's more to do alfred i have bad news so here's the story of my night i don't normally give trolls acknowledgement but i'm gonna do this tonight <laughs> So as I watch this, I tweet, I don't get it. Drew and Jinder, they have obvious history we've all seen on TV. You know, I made note of it last week, just interviewed Drew McIntyre. He talked about, you know, Jinder is one of his few riding buddies he can accept to have on the road. You know, there's just tons of f- photos and videos. to go. Why, why are we uh, avoiding the obvious real story here that we could tell, with some exaggerations, of course? Why have we resorted down to swords and motorcycles? 
I, this was my this is my legitimate criticism and my tweet. And then somebody who doesn't even follow me, I don't follow them, somebody named on Twitter at Eddie the Giant 25. Now I thought they were kind of trolling me. And the response to this was a a, 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 a gif or a gif of, of, of somebody going merchandising. That that's why we're dealing with sword and motorcycle. To which I, I thought accurately, but kind of smart ass replied, okay, please tell me how many motorcycles and swords are on WWE shop. Alfred, open up a new tab. All right, I'm with you. I got you. Go to WWE Shop right now. And everybody, play along with us. This is an interactive <laughs> podcast right now. All right, here we are. On the front of the WWE Shop, do you see Drew McIntyre on a red motorcycle? And it says, Reckon Slam Cycle. That's exactly what it says. It's a toy Drew McIntyre on a motorcycle. It's that red motorcycle. And if you click on it for $19.99 or four interest-free payments of... <laughs> You're choosing, yes, Drew McIntyre comes with parts of this Reckon Slam cycle. So I bow and concede to the troll of Eddie the Giant 25 on Twitter. Yes, they are doing this motorcycle bit because they have Reckon Slam cycle merchandise to hawk. Unbelievable. Yes. It comes in nine parts that you can break apart. So you can put it together and you can just break it apart. This seems, I mean, okay, it's very, I, I don't want to say clever, but at least it's continuous. But this seems like way too much work to get to that. Uh, the fact that they had to do it in real life in order to sell this, I don't know about this. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, literally, I, I, I said that. I moved on. And then, and then he, when I said, oh, yeah, let me see how many motorcycles are on shop. And then he came back to me, and he, and he sent me what I, I didn't know if he Photoshopped this, but it was like this action figure on a, on a red motorcycle. And I was like, what? And so I was like, let me just, and I, I punch in WWE shop and I like my jaw dropped. I'm like, oh my God, that's exactly what this is. And it's typical WWE branding where it's reckon, but they can't leave on. It has to be spelled W-R-E-K-K-I-N, apostrophe. They have to spell it and trademark their own reckon cycle. So my goodness. I feel like this isn't going to be the last thing time we talk about toys today on this podcast, but unbelievable. I would have never imagined that they would have gone to these lengths to promote a motorcycle toy. Alfred, to pick up our theme from last week, do we blame Nick Khan? <laughs> I'm blaming everything on Nick Khan. This is his fault. I'm going on Twitter right now, and I'm going to call him out. So there it is. That is that is the that, that it, that, that's the booking. We have a motorcycle series to sell. Of So there we go. This makes me like this storyline so much less. It, it seems like so cheap now that that's what's behind this. It is cheap. It's only $19.99 or four payments of interest-free <laughs> payments. Uh, so I had to share that with everybody. Okay, uh, up next, uh, Nikki Ash versus Oscar versus Naomi versus Alexa Bliss four way here. Uh, Eva and Dewdrop they come into the ramp. Uh, Alexa comes out. She's kind of like she's cool with Dewdrop. She starts to stalk Eva. Eva threatens her with a designer heel. Dewdrop doing the dirty work starts to attack Alexa. Dumps Alexa over the barricade. But voila, she's disappeared. Where's she gone? Well, we go to commercial. We come back. We come back. We never see Alexa again. I don't think we see Eva Dewdrop again. They disappear. So now it's a triple threat. And uh, Nikki Ash gets a roll-up win on Asuka. So uh, superhero Nikki with some uh, with some momentum. I'm waiting for that superhero gimmick to take WWE shop. Yeah. And why did she lose last week? If this is, I mean, she's been on a win streak and she had that hiccup last week, and they've really been doing a pretty good job booking her in terms of winning her matches. So it just kind of makes me more frustrated that they just really randomly beat her last week. Uh, but I'm nervous that this Nikki Ash character is going to build to her legitimately having superpowers to where in the vein of an Alexa Bliss having powers, they're going to have Nikki Ash be the good guy with powers and combat Alexa Bliss because they've really been playing up the fact that she can fly and that she's almost a superhero. So I really do fear that the direction for this character is to actually have superpowers. <laughs> You're probably not too far off, Alfred. But I, I don't know. I'm actually okay with this. And I think part of it is I'm, uh, I guess I'm kind of, I give it some leeway because since we found out from her husband that like this is something that she's, I guess, pitched or has some personal investment. And that makes me feel good. It makes me feel good like that she's been listened to and that we're trying something. And I really actually think this is going to get over with live crowds. Me too. I have no problem with this character. I think that the direction is, I hope they don't actually give her superpowers, but I think Nikki Cross playing Nikki Ash is really going to commit to this character. She's just so lovable. And I think it's an adorable costume, the way it fits her. Like the mask kind of doesn't fit her all the way on the face, but like, I do think that people are going to fall in love with this character. Yeah. And look, it's inevitable. We have her and the hurricane for a segment, right? 
Oh, for sure. hundred percent. Is Shane he still Allen. an agent out there? I think so. Well, wait, hang on. He, he was a victim at the moment from the, the furloughs, but I, yeah, he, I know he left and came back, but I don't know. If, I he, think he's back there. I think he is too. Yeah. They even, have to have a segment. Even if he is, and they'll bring him back for a yeah. one-off. Uh, a couple real quick. I got to acknowledge a few here. Uh, Tuck craft, the toy bike will be worth 75 bucks <laughs> on eBay in 50 years. Uh, thanks to those watching on Twitch. Here's the only P Funk. Uh, is Justin LeBar everyone busted open? Yes, I am on every single Friday morning with Dave LaGreca and Mark Henry. Normally at 10 a.m. This Friday is going to be 10:30. Programming note, but yeah, every Friday, check it out on demand, live or on the podcast. And a five dollar super chat, Antoine Fair. Why do we hate WWE for selling, promoting merch? I mean, they do the same with shirt, hat, and etc. I feel like we should be used to this. No, Antoine. I mean, I get it. I guess it's 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 kind of like yeah, when somebody wears a new shirt. Or uh, there are certain things in the more conventional merchandise, and I get it. I guess this just seems so out of nowhere. Like, Jinder Mahal's never been seen on a bike ever before until last week. It just seems so forced and manufactured when you have two guys who have such organic, real stories you can tell between them of conflict. This just felt so forced. And then to find out that it's actually being, you know, again, peddled with a with a crazy wrecking motorcycle slant it, it just makes it comical of like you know this is what drives some of the decision making which i get it it's it's all about a bottom line but there is a comical tone to this that okay here's why we're making a big deal about swords and motorcycles as i said in a joking tone oh no it's actually legit this is what we're doing here so wwe does do this far too often in that they go out of their way to create this story uh, and I have no problem with sports entertainment, but a lot of times when they're just presented with the simplest of stories that could lead to a very good match that's engaging and in terms of a storyline, they'll just go out of the way to create this. This is what they did with Bianca Belair and Sasha where they had the simplest story, but they just went out of the way to just kind of muffy that up. And then the Bret Hart and Vince McMahon storyline in 2010, they did the same thing where they're presented with these legitimately great stories that are very real that people can connect with. And instead we're doing motorcycles. Yeah, I mean, hell, the Bret Vince thing. And I know Bret was you know really limited physically but i mean yeah i mean there's so many things that were just one of the greatest ever few i mean real life feuds and you know that's what we ended it with is that mania yeah match mania, so that was my first mania <clears throat> really very disappointing bright heart match but I, I did have fun at that mania what was that arizona yes arizona. good stuff all right um picking back up so we're gonna have uh at Money in the Bank, now they moved this. Originally, they had scheduled this to be next Monday, the first Raw back in front of fans. They've now pivoted. They're going to give it to us at Money in the Bank. AJ Styles and almost tag champions up against the Viking Raiders. Uh, they, like I said, they're going to get that. We're going to get that Sunday now, not Monday, but tonight we're getting uh, them split in singles. So first up is AJ Styles versus Ivar, and uh, this is kind of a fun match here because Ivar kind of going tit for tat with AJ, showing off uh, a pretty equal display of agility and speed for his. Uh, uh, plump size, as I'll put it, his build. It's pretty fun here, and 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 an upset here. Ivar, he his legs and he's in the corner. His legs and thighs catch AJ, and just he just sits and squashes bonsai drops onto AJ Styles and gets the victory here. So uh, the first of this of the two here in the series, Ivar gets a pin on AJ Styles. You okay with this? I'm very okay with this, and I feel like they should have just waited another six days to do this in front of a crowd. Like, this was so fun to watch in terms of Ivar out flipping around and doing all that big man gymnastic, being light on his feet. Uh, I'm sure he's, they've got a lot of stuff planned for the match, but I thought that this would have been such a crowd-pleasing match uh, because I did have a lot of fun watching this, and it went the right amount of time. And, you know, AJ has been putting a lot of younger guys over as of late, and it, it still does mean something when he loses because they don't beat him all the time. So between him losing to Riddle, losing to Ivar, it still does kind of like, whoa, AJ lost. And so I, I really like this. I like both matches that they did with these four guys. I agree. And so right after that, we see almost versus Eric. Uh, and this is all, and, and this is all you know, almost. He's just doing you know, the big power moves. He's doing a lot more of the shenanigans in between the moves. He's certainly getting more comfortable, uh, f- you know, flexing and trying to keep a serious face and, re- and really sell it in the facials. Uh, he ends up getting the win here. You know, Alfred, I'm going to be really curious. I, I mean, I've been a big fan so far of him. They, they've really kind of baby stepped it along, but uh, they protected him. Yes. Uh, we saw him, of course, in front of a crowd at WrestleMania. They booked that match very well. Uh, as we talked about, I'll be really curious to see how Omos progresses week to week being in front of fans now every single week. You know, he he hasn't got the luxury of traveling the road with AJ and being at ringside for non-TV house shows on 
you know, Saturday and Sunday every week and kind of watching how crowds react and learning from AJ. He hasn't had that. It's been in this closed set for this last year. So I'll be curious how the live crowd experience works for him or, I mean, I hope it works for him or if it, if it presents a challenge to him. Yeah, I, I think it should. I, I think he's just such an imposing presence that uh, WWE is doing everything right with him in terms of hiding his weaknesses and protecting his strengths and keeping this match fairly short. I thought Eric was very good working with Amos, and he didn't um, go outside of his lane. He just did the big man stuff that he still knows how to do. Again, yeah, everybody knows he's green, but WWE is doing a good job protecting that. This was his first singles match, I believe, one on one, and I thought he showed uh, quite well in terms of, of what he was able to do and. And I don't think we're too far away from whenever him and uh, AJ Styles split. I think the priority should be let's just get this guy in a bunch of short matches against enhancement talent and really put him over. The same formula they had for, I think, Braun Strowman, who was the last big man that they really got hot and put over uh, to where it really started to make a difference in 2016 for a little bit there in the ratings when Braun Strowman was on. And his numbers exploded on YouTube to this day. And I think for a long time, he's going to have the biggest YouTube videos they have in terms of those stunts they did with him. So if not for nothing, WWE does know how to book its big men. And you can tell that they have plans for Omas. Yeah, and it seems like uh, we're in an interesting time. Obviously, aside from Roman... Um, you know, it seems like there's a, a really promising crop, maybe more more promising than ever, or at least not ever, but in recent memory. Uh, you know, the Omas, Matt Riddle, mm-hmm. Big E, Damian Priest. It feels like there are so many they are just letting just sit in this little boiling phase that are just ready to pop off. And and I can't remember, it's been a while since they've had that kind of a pipeline on the main roster, not the NXT, but there on Raw or SmackDown who are just waiting to just to just to be let out and let loose. And this is exciting, uh, but it feels like they are really building. I mean, it finally feels like they're actually maybe building to the future. Absolutely, especially on the babyface side, which is important. Absolutely. They've uh, had struggles with babyfaces. And, and yeah, to your point, they, they do have some babyfaces who are promising, and it's been a while since we've said that. All right, uh, so a babyface that they, you know, I don't want to say they invested all the time, but he goes back and forth. Humberto Carrillo, of course, you might remember he broke Sheamus' nose legit some weeks back. Uh, so tonight we're finally going to get this rematch. Sheamus out first, and then we see Carrillo backstage. Look like he's been attacked. Uh, uh, you know, the, the assumption is that Sheamus uh, did him in before hitting the ring. And uh, Carrillo trying to be talked out by Adam Pearce and Sony Deville from going to the ring. Uh, Damian Priest is even there checking on him because Damian Priest is a good guy like that. Uh, Carrillo has to fight. He has to do this. Well, he goes to the ring, and right from the bell, as Cody as Corey Graves says, not often you can call the entire match in one replay, but sure enough, you can. Bell rings, bro kick, one, two, three. And then Sheamus tries to get in uh, some extra shots after the bell. And here comes Damian Priest to put a stop to that. So, Alfred, it looks like Damian Priest, after a hot WrestleMania season, a little bit of absentee, a little bit of curiosity, what's going on, where's the booking for him, looks like he is next up to challenge for the United States title. Uh, a very traditional kind of path for Damian Priest. You know, the old-fashioned... You go for the Intercontinental title, and then within 18 months, you're primed and ready for the world title. 18 months is not what the timeline to do anymore, but it seems like Damian Priest looking for that mid-card title, and that would kind of line him up right around next Rumble Mania season to be ready for that top-tier picture. Yeah, I loved how they did this with Damian Priest, too, by the way, with him just casually walking by Sheamus and they're staring off. And I just assumed, like, oh, God, now they're just going to immediately pay off. Like, it would be so nice if they just at least waited a little bit to pay this off. But And that's exactly what they did, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but I figured that because Humberto Carrillo was kind of selling that injury that he would just be replaced and they would immediately go to Damian Priest. And the fact that they didn't do that and they just kind of built to him coming out, I really like that. And I like what they've been doing with Damian Priest. Yeah, the only thing that they slipped up, and I think it was a big slip up, having the Miz beat him in his underwear fresh off the Bad Bunny thing was a terrible decision, just given the fact that you have one of the biggest mainstream stars to come across WWE in a while and you pair him with Damian Priest, that's a guy you pick and you you know had him lose that match but hopefully that's kind of in the past they've done a good job with damian priest and and i like the fact they're just doing this slow build toward damian priest chasing that u.s title absolutely i agree i'm a big damian priest fan and you know i i like the i like the variety I like the diversity they have you know damian priest uh you know a six foot five guy who's got an exotic kind of look to him obviously yeah. puerto rican he's he's bilingual that's nice you got omas He's got a, a lot of athletic history, seven foot. I don't know what his, all his background is, but you know, you know he's bringing a different flavor. Then you got Matt Riddle, you got your your bro Stoner. <laughs> I mean, you know, we got your Big E. You're, I mean, I, I love the diversity of what we got here. There is no, um, 
there, there's there, there's no repeats here. We got everybody's you know got their own flavor into the pot here. So this is this is really Great encouraging point. for the for the long term of again building baby faces, building relatable baby faces to different parts of the crowd. All right, uh, Terry Allen Jr. is jumping in with two dollars. Gregory Helms was backstage brawl with Sheamus. Okay, well there we go. So oh okay, well there you go. Good eye there by uh, Terry. And uh, is there static on my mic? I'm sorry, guys. No, I, I hear you. There was a little bit earlier, but I hear you crystal clear now. Am I good? All right. And Antoine Fair coming in with $10. Justin, to your point, I feel like when w, when I feel like WWE, when these crowds come back, they are going to come out swinging. I feel like Bray, Keith Lee are being held for that. Also, Big E, Apollo, et cetera, on SmackDown, crossing fingers. Yeah, I mean, then on the the, the you know, Keith Lee is a mystery of what's going on with him. Uh, yeah, even on the the heel side, Apollo getting, you know, um, getting a, a consistent push behind him and uh, was a Prince Aziz, Commander Aziz. Right. Yeah. I really hope that is the plan for WWE to come out swinging because now, I mean, they've used such a limited roster that hopefully their plan is to create this product where it's like you never know who's going to show up next. So, because this seems to be what AEW is trending for, is that they're just having all these surprise appearances uh, between Malachi Black and just all the other names who could potentially show up on AEW. I hope WWE now, over the next few weeks of being in front of live crowds, you just hear one surprise theme return after another. Because to your point earlier, they've got this backlog of big names who, if they came out with their music playing, the fact that people not only haven't seen them over a year and a half in the pandemic, they just haven't seen them on W programming. These can lead to some massive pops and to some really fun, entertaining programming that seems spontaneous. Oh, yeah. Well, they're back to the road, so check out their toy. I mean, you know, both companies, it's weird. WWE has the gimmick of, okay, we're going back on the road. You know, we have some bullets in the chamber. We have some talent that need to come back, come out to these live shows. You never know who you might see you know it's not going to be just a oh another another raw another smackdown these are going to feel with a you know a heightened sense of importance and then aew uh with an, its own equal advantage there's these mass amount of releases that have happened mm-hmm. via wwe and so now it's like okay aew is going back to the road you know we just saw alistair black show up in a very well-kept secret in 2021 in the day of the internet and so it's now it's like well, come to AEW. You never know who we might have pop up, yeah. you know, and you start going, oh, well, where's Braun Strowman or where's this person? So, you know, both company, both of the top two companies in, in, in the U.S. certainly have that going for them is come out to see them live. They have surprises. They're ready to unload on you. I like that dynamic a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. Me too. Okay. So uh, we, all right. So we see a backstage here between Ricochet and Matt Riddle. They're talking about Westerns, Tombstone, Toy Story 2. <laughs> Morris, Morris, and the Miz. That's exactly how I watch a segment. I was just shaking my head, like, "Okay, guys." Let's... Uh, Morris and the Miz. They come in and hit them with the drip sticks, water all over. They run over Matt Riddle's foot with the wheelchair. So that's going to segue us into Ricochet versus Morrison. Falls count anywhere. This, of course, continuing the last couple weeks of these battles. This was this was maybe the funnest match to watch of the night. Uh, some huge spots here. Ricochet hits a four fifty off the guardrail. He hits a shooting star press off the top of the ring post to the outside of the ring. Um, he does hit a splash onto John Morrison through the ladder for the win. This is, I mean, this is, again, probably the most entertaining match, Alfred, but I, I couldn't help but think to myself, okay, we got a little story that's been going here for weeks. First off, my, my, my uh, serious criticism, first off, why not make this match for something? Both men are in the Money in the Bank ladder match. And they're highlighting, oh, this is going to be a hell of a match. Look what these two guys do, just these two with these crazy spots. Imagine when they get in the match with everybody else. Like, is there something they could do to make this match mean something? I I, I don't know what it is by the nature of the Money in the Bank. It, it's not like it's Elimination Chamber or Rumble where you get entries and, and, and going in last increases your odds. But, like, is there something you could do to somehow make this match mean something to help advanced money in the bank that's all i could think of and i don't know what that stipulation answer is but i was just like this match is so entertaining but i feel like it needs to be for something otherwise it's just these guys beating the crap out of each other six days before money in the bank yeah that's a good point i'll do you one better i think just based on this dynamic that wb's created in terms it's basically turned into baseball where we're seeing all these matchups uh, that are essentially series and if wb was able to just present these as series like okay you got two out of three or he wins this series two to one uh maybe they could do it that way but i, I mean just to get my mind going in terms of an advantage, it could be something as simple as you get the taller ladder. Like the, the loser of this match cannot use a tall ladder. He has to use 
a certain height of ladder or something like that. He gets to use this big ladder because he'll have more of an advantage to climb and get it. But that, that would be a good thing instead of just having them repeat these matches over and over and over to add some stakes to it. But having said that, even though this is a repeat match, I have not even come close to getting tired of these two going uh, one-on-one. Uh, last week's match, I think, was very disappointing. This week, I thought was great, and uh, I thought it went a little long, but I thought it was a very good, very fun match. And uh, it, it was a bit commercial for Money in the Bank in terms of you're watching them do all this stuff, uh, and they really didn't even get to do too much of those ladders until the end. So now you're thinking, wow, they must really have something planned in terms of when they get together with those ladders. But I agree. They should have some type of stakes that would give you an advantage in Money in the Bank. Yeah, uh, well said. A good commercial for Money in the Bank. Uh, All right, so my serious criticism was that. Make this mean something for the Money in the Bank match. My ridiculous criticism of this, I'm getting tired of the drip stick, a.k.a. water out of a kid's squirt gun, being deemed a legitimate distraction. Because all I could think to myself is one of the last distractions Ricochet had was on the apron and Miz stops him from jumping in the ring because he hits him with the water. And I'm like, you know, if I'm fighting a match and I'm sweaty and I'm whatever, is it is some water being doused on me really the worst thing in the world? It's it's not it's not I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, no, it's strictly comedy is, is what they're going for. And I, I don't know how that would hurt stupid. anybody. But I have to admit, I don't know why everything about me should hate this. Like, you know, I should not like this, but it pops me every time. I don't know why. It's just this colorful dripstick that they're spraying and the way they sprayed uh, the Miz with the uh, riddle. I hate myself for liking it. I, don't, I mean, I don't even want to say I like it. It just makes me laugh. It's just something about that dripstick in pro wrestling tickles my funny bone. And I, I always catch myself laughing at it, but it, it is a terrible weapon to have in wrestling. They need to treat it like they did with the, the model Rick Martel with his arrogant perfume where you can blind somebody with it and make it seem like there's some foreign substance that you, if you spray it in somebody's eyes, they'll be blinded, but not like it hurts you, like it's acid. Right. I, 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 now I'm putting some blame on you. You're part of some focus group that's keeping this shit going. <laughs> No, they've not asked me about this, but for whatever reason, it always pops me. I, I don't know why. It just looks for it's so ridiculous that I think I can't bring myself to get upset with this. <laughs> well, well, good on your blood pressure, not mine. Do you think All they're right. selling the dripstick on WShop.com, by the way? Oh, let's check it out. Well, you know what? <laughs> Nothing will surprise me. Like I said, after I got trolled on the the, mo- the motorcycle toy line thing, nothing will surprise me at this point. It'd be great. It'd be a great summertime thing. Great summertime. It would. Water. It really would. The dripstick. I can see the commercials now for summer. You know, they used to do great SummerSlam commercials back in the day, whether it be uh, the, 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 the wrestlers, the, the shark, the wrestlers, you know, Brock with the shark, the wrestlers at the beach, Mick Foley with Chef Boyardee. I mean, they're missing the <laughs> dripstick right here. All right. Um, Rhea Ripley up against Natty. And what Corey Graves using a baseball analogy, or, you know, sports analogy kind of described as a trap game, a trap match. Uh, six days before running the bank, uh, Rhea would get the victory here, but then Charlotte's going to attack her after the fact to put her in a submission hold. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know this. This I don't know. I, I'm 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 the the women's the women's title picture on Raw. I'm 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 really just not. I, I'm not into yeah. it. Like I'm checked out. They're way out to lunch with this thing. With this thing between Rhea and Charlotte. They still have not really kind of made it clear as to who we're supposed to like. And I'm very curious to see how a live crowd reacts to this because, honestly, I don't think they will. I don't think they're just going to decide on who Babyface was. I think they're just going to be so confused that, you know, maybe Charlotte by default will be seen as the heel because she's the establishment and Rhea's the up-and-comer and the new woman with the new title. But I don't think that this feud trends to having a crowd reaction because people are going to be so confused as to who they're supposed to be cheering for. Yeah, and look, I mean, I, I don't know. I, it's been so long since we've had uh, the fans. But, I mean, honestly, it just feels like with Charlotte, I mean, more, um, I, she plays a, a really effective heel. But then I think when you step out of the booking and you just, you know, unfortunately become an internet fan, um, I think there's just a resentment toward, I, I, I don't know, I think there's just a certain resentment towards her. I think, I, I think, the, I think, unf- and, and this is unfortunate because she is, extremely talented she is one of the best women they have she really is from she has the great family legacy you know i mean look there's there's been so many times we've seen ted DiBiase jr we've seen um michael mcgillicuddy we've seen so many that we're like oh this is the sequel to the great wrestler that we grew up with and it doesn't work that easily there's so much pressure on on the the juniors and and the the thirds to try to be their dad's gimmick and it just hasn't worked 
this is one of those few times that Charlotte Flair has worked. She she has a you know she has a, a mashup of her father's entrance music. She has the robe. She does the woo. She has some of the signature moves, but she certainly has her own repertoire that that's 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 all worked together. I mean, she really is this, this perfect sequel to Ric Flair, and she and she lives up to it with the athleticism. But there is a resentment that overtakes that. There's a resentment of she has been booked. I mean, she's won it what 14 times in like yeah. five years. I mean, that's just that's that's that, that, that's even in today's standard, that's a lot. I think there's just a resentment, and I think WWE would just be better served just leaning into that resentment. Her father was always a better heel more times than not, and I just don't quite understand when they try to put any kind of sympathy or, or, or babyface light on her. It just it don't even try at this point. Just ride the heel wave. Yes, yeah, they need to run with it. The more legitimate the reaction, the better. And some people, it's just it's right there. This is what the fans want to react to. And yes, there is resentment, and a lot of it's real. But I think we could all understand that she's very talented. She's like a legitimate Hall of Fame caliber wrestler. And if they just lean into that resentment that they know is out there, um, her character will connect and click better with the audience. Yes, there's a resentment. I don't think anybody wants her to go away. I don't think anybody wants her to just be done or they're just done with Charlotte Flair. I think there's a resentment about her winning so much. Uh, and if they just kind of use that, and she kind of does by calling herself the queen and, and whatnot, but they really do need to double down on her being a heel uh, because it'll work. It'll be that much more effective and more self-aware uh, if they just kind of uh, are in tune with their audience like that. Yeah, and they were really out of tune, you know, prior to Lacey going away on maternity to leave with the, oh, let's put Rick with Lacey. And yeah. Make this, make this weird, creepy. Yeah, I mean, that is so out of tune. Like, that, that's no, nobody's baby facing. A, it's just creepy and weird. Nobody's baby facing Charlotte because of this. Like, just stop that stuff. And, yeah. I'm, an, and, I'm, and I'm a Lacey fan, mind you. But I thought that was it was just a weird, weird thing all the way. Um, oop. Antoine Fair, $5, no merch for Dripstick, but have requested the trademark. So that a boy, Antoine, on the case. Correspondent Antoine Fair, our guy here at Wrestling Inc. Good research on the trademark. I love it. All right, so here we go. Main event segment MVPs back out with the girls. Now, mind you, uh, Bobby Lashley had left the arena, so it seems, after losing in the opening match against Xavier Woods. So Lashley is MIA up to this point. MVPs out with all the ladies and the VIP lounge there in the ring. Uh, is asking for Lashley. Finally, Lashley does make it to the ring. And uh, Lashley, all business, looking a little disheveled, ties undone, clothes all, you know, what have you, dismisses the girls, as was uh, frowned upon earlier by our comments, uh, and then starts to speak directly to MVP, saying maybe Kofi was right. You know, maybe maybe you've took, I've lost my edge being around you. I've lost, I'm soft. Um, kind of just, you know, not on great terms with MVP, and then proceeds to address the camera and says, Kofi, uh, after this Sunday, you know, you're, you're I'm going to tear you in half and your career is going to be dead. And then Lashley proceeds just to rip the entire VIP lounge up, throwing things, throwing couches. And that's how we end it. Uh, I mean, so to back to our original point, I mean, I guess, I you know, it was this made things seem a little more sense if he lost clean and, you know, we're getting this edge back to Bobby Lashley. But again, I got to see what happened Sunday. And Alfred, it's the last show, of the Thunderdome. We, Bobby Lashley could have really ripped this place down. Right. That's what I'm saying. When I started seeing him rip stuff up, and by the time it was over, I was like, oh, that's it. Like, I thought he was going to go for these boards. I thought he was going to punch a hole in some of these TVs. Like, I thought he was just going to completely tear this place apart. But having said that, I think this was the best promo of Bobby Lashley's career in terms of performance, in terms of him going from sad and disheveled, like you said, to frustrated and furious, to absolutely apoplectic where he's just tearing everything up. I mean, I thought, you know, Bobby Lashley's not going to be known for his talking ability. And I don't even necessarily think he's a bad promo. But, you know, they paired him with MVP because his, his promo is not his strength. But this was a very, very strong promo, I think, from Bobby Lashley in terms of going home for a world title feud. And he had to have that because, I mean, I still don't think it's very forgivable to have him lose earlier on in the night. But the fact that they used this to just make Bobby into this, they just kind of reinvented him as this killer. And, you know, we did mention it earlier in terms of him possibly squashing Kofi. I really think that's really the only direction you should go with this, especially if the plan is for Bobby to win. Bobby has to take most of this match if you're just going to establish that he is this monster and he's back on and kind of refocused. Uh, and I really hope they don't break him up with MVP because I thought that's where this was going. And I'm so glad that he did not attack MVP. Well, you know, look, Bobby versus Kofi certainly is not going to be the main event of Money in the Bank. So, you know, it's going to be somewhere in the show. So you could get away with a squash. It wouldn't, it's not like this is something that's anchored. People aren't paying to see a 20 minute 
competitive title match necessarily. Right. You can get away with it. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens here. Uh, you know, I did get a kick out of his quote to MVP. You're trying to cheer me up with women, and <laughs> you know, yeah, how, women. Dare, how dare you, bro? <laughs> that was very funny. How dare you, bro? Uh, Jax Callens, nine ninety nine. I am huge on Lashley, but his promo work to me was like grounding my kiddo. I love you. You're grounded. Let me throw a couch. Okay, go to bed. You're in trouble, honey. I need anger in it, man. Oh, come on. I thought he was good. Listen, it, I thought for, you know, I'm grading it on kind of a curve, but I really did think that he was very convincing in terms of how angry he was. Um, you know, it did help that he was kind of had his sleeves rolled up and he was really playing the part, but I thought he was very good in what he said and that he's going to squash Kofi like a bug and stuff like that. This is exactly what he needed to do. This is exactly how he needed to react to losing a match that he really should have won. So who let's, 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 let's jump ahead. Are you doing the money in the bank by the way, Sunday night? with Yes, me? I'll be um, Sunday. I'll be there okay. Sunday. All right. So I'm going to ask you this now and then I will ask you again Sunday night on the assumption that Bobby Lashley retains his title Sunday. Who is his SummerSlam opponent? And I'm going to answer me now and then answer me again Sunday. Brock Lesnar. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I can't think of any other, you know. That, yeah, okay. Yeah. Right, so let, let's see what happens Sunday. Unless it's Xavier Woods. I mean, if we're going with WWE booking, he beat the champion. Unless they, I mean, I, I don't, I hope that's not the direction, but he does, he is owed a rematch in terms of for the world title, the way they booked this thing. Let me throw one at you. The Bobby Lashley match comes after the men's money in the bank. And that men's money in the bank, Big E wins. And Big E cashes in oh. after Bobby squashes his boy. I like it. I like it. I, I, I actually love out it. There. I, I love that. I would love if they made that connection uh, uh, somehow. Because uh, Big E is my pick to win money in the bank. And that just fits like a glove in terms of the story they've been telling in terms of Bobby Lashley feuding with both Kofi and Xavier Woods. And if you watch Kofi's promo tonight, which was another good promo, they were wearing new day t-shirts with Biggie on the shirt. I don't think that was a mistake. I think they want you to mentally think about the new day together. And I, that could be a direction for sure. I mean, well, and then it could even split off to where that's okay. So we leave Sunday, Big E's your champion. So now it's, so now he's going to, so now you have a, a baby face going to SummerSlam. Right. So that 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 totally knocks down all different booking doors, and who knows? Maybe Lashley goes to face side and he feuds with MVP, and that's that's a that's a SummerSlam match. He and MVP. I don't you know. I don't know. I'm just I'm curious. I'm gonna ask you again Sunday night. We'll see what happens, but um, just food for thought. Uh, Antoine Fair five dollars to the last super chat. I think he's talking about Jax. <laughs> you don't think angry when you see a love seat being thrown? That's what I'm saying, man. He threw that couch over the top rope. I mean, Lashley was pissed. Trust me, he looked mad. And Jax responds, Antoine, no, you don't throw shit and talk all. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, you guys are the best. <laughs> back and forth we go. Back and forth, round and round and round. <laughs> uh, so that was Monday Night Raw, the, the final one in the Thunderdome. Uh, may we never have to do this again. Yeah, I was expecting, in terms of a send-off, because this is an era that we are now at the end of, in terms of a send-off, uh, I was expecting a little more fireworks in terms of how they were going to end it. You know, we didn't even get a video package and and uh, Jimmy Smith saying, well, thank you for watching AEW Raw. You know, we didn't get anything like that. So, uh, but, you know, it was, a, it was a tepid send-off to the Thunderdome. But I will say this last few weeks of Raw, while I will not compliment it for being necessarily good, I mean, Raw when it was bad was pretty bad and pretty unwatchable. This last three or four weeks of Raw, I thought it's been pretty solid in terms of the ending of uh, – uh, the Thunderdome and how they built the money in the bank. I think they've really done a good job with Matt Riddle and making him into kind of a potential star. Uh, but uh, it's an end of an era, and I'm very much looking forward to crowds being back. Yeah, I mean to 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 be official, my my Riddle or Big E or my t- I think those are, those are the only yeah. two options for money in the bank. I don't. Sorry, Ricochet. Sorry, Morrison. So you know, I just I don't. You don't think Drew McIntyre wins it? No. I hope uh, it, it's Riddle or Biggie, uh, but you know, look, I, I mean, I get what you're saying, and I think Raw has made attempts in these last few weeks at certain things. Unfortunately, and it's all they're doing. They they have just lost a lot. I think there's just a portion of the audience that is just checked out until they get back to fans or until we get around to the marquee shows like SummerSlam. I mean, because it doesn't lie. I mean, the worst. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, even though technically last Monday was a day after a holiday, and some people are still off on that Monday. I mean the lowest audience ever. It doesn't lie. I mean the 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 show they they have burned their goodwill with some of the casual fans, the diehards like you, me, and everybody else in this chat who have to watch this. 
we were watching because we have to, or we feel we have to. Um, I feel like that's all that's left. And in the week before they did the worst number ever, they did the worst non-holiday number ever. So it just, yeah. you know, for, for all the people saying July 4th, July 4th, it's like this is where this number was headed before July 4th. Yeah. And I think SmackDown is going to have a quicker rebound. And, and SmackDown has a benefit of, well, first off, Roman Reigns. And we all think inevitably John Cena to SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Also, it's two freaking hours. Raw with the three hours is going to be forever a... A, just a, a greater uphill battle for them to climb yes and uh they that that might not change anytime soon but that's 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 the reality of it and home run derby is going to be very tough home run derby and which you did mention earlier does present stiff competition for raw's audience yeah and i mentioned it because look i'll be honest i, I haven't watched a lot of major league baseball this year but i actually tuned out i i every time every chance i got i was jumping over to watch this to watch because i i like the format of the home run derby how they, they've kind of modernized it they revamped it it was i think it was really well done so like i was kind of getting into it and i was like god oh, damn it i gotta go back over to raw now uh so if, if i'm feeling that i know that that's gonna be a factor uh you know on the widespread when the numbers come out so all right that's gonna do it i think uh, the super chats have dried up everybody else is just talking amongst themselves for free that does raj no good so we're not gonna <laughs> even acknowledge him more of it um Again, big thanks. We got a huge week. Of course, it's a huge week in WWE as, as, as they're back on the road. Of course, AEW's now back on the second week on the road. Oh, hang on. Jack's sneaking back in. Real quick, Labar. Real quick, Labar's afraid of my harness snake turbo, but not big cast. Night boys. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. Well, you know, look, turbo has no legs and moves. That's not right. Big cast is seven foot tall. I thought I could break his. I, I even got a low blow in on big cast. I got him down on his knees at go. one point. I thought I had the. Thought I had it all figured out. Uh, and Antoine Fair, I think it's going to close us out. Pete F and Alonzo. Let's go, Mets. That's the chat. All right. Uh, big week on Wrestling Inc. Check out all the headlines every single day around the clock. Uh, Alfred will be back, I'm sure, tomorrow night for NXT. He'll be back Wednesday night with me after AEW. Some combination will be here on Friday after SmackDown. And then I know Alfred and myself and not sure who else. Maybe it's just us two. Sunday night after Money in the Bank. So if nothing else, make sure you're back. Sunday night after Money in the Bank. I know that is going to be a huge numbers, so we're going to have to have our best ready for you Sunday night. It's going to be a great show. And then we'll be back Monday for Raw as they, as they get back on the road. So a lot of things to look forward to. Hit like, hit subscribe, leave a comment, do all the things. Make sure if you enjoy this podcast in any way, it is nothing. It is, it is, it is free to be kind and just hit share and tell one friend, hey, you're not ashamed that you watch wrestling. Check out these guys. Don't be ashamed. <laughs> just hit share. It's, it's no problem. We appreciate it. Be good. Uh, Alfred, it's still nice. It's not The sun's not even down where you are. It's, it's way past my bedtime here. Yeah, sunny California. Be good, everybody. We'll see you uh, Tuesday. Good night.